0: My name is Hassani Ayish. I'm the medical director of the Haemophilia Treatment Center at Primary Children's and the University of Utah. I would like to talk to you about the state of the management for haemophilia in the comprehensive haemophilia treatment centers around the country. As you know, the measurement of success in the treatment of hemophilia has been traditionally by measuring the health of the patient's joints and the progress of damaging effect of bleed in these joints. However, these require several years to evaluate, and we know that many studies have shown how effective the prevention that we are taking now to prevent bleeding in these joints. Short term evaluation, however, could be measured by the number of days that a child miss school or a young man miss work. Additionally, the number of bleeds during the year are very important measurement for the, effective, the effectiveness and the outcome of this treatment. Well we know that in both ways we have achieved a lot. We know that we are doing a very good job compared to what we had before. I would like to review with you the steps that were taken over the last few decades to lead to where we are now. These steps were a combined effort for many parties. We look at the pharmaceutical companies, we look at the providers, the hemophilia associations, the parents who were willing to be trained and educated, the children who were accepting the fact that they have to have a central line and get infused several times a week. All this effort has led to where we are right now. If we look back before 1960, there were no treatment for hemophilia. All hemophilia patients throughout the world, they suffered the same. Major problems, crippling joint problems, and life expectancy used to be less than 20 years. Patients in their early teens have crippling joint problems that could not be corrected. Well, this has changed. In the early 60s, When the plasma was used to treat hemophilia, it was not very effective because the amount of factor A there was very little. Fresh frozen plasma was somewhat better, still having major problems, which is thawing, mixing, infusion in medical centers, which usually is way delayed after the trauma, and that was the major issue that resulted in all the complications. Now, the hemophilia societies were established in the beginning with one, only one goal. That goal was to recruit donors for blood donation so they can provide the hemophilia community with the uh, products that they use. 1964, Judy uh, pool was able to extract a preparation from the fresh frozen plasma which was called cryoprecipitate. That was a breakthrough because the amount of factor 8 in this preparation was almost 10 to 20 times more than the plasma pair volume and thus makes the life much easier. The time of infusion much shorter. And there's no need to overwhelm the patient with high volume of plasma. At that time, many centers in Europe start using prophylactic or preventive measures. Children who had several incidents of joint bleed were placed on cryoprecipitate two to three times a week to prevent the bleed. And that was... Very successful in the sense that the incidence of bleed has been decreased significantly. However, it was noticed that the progression of joint damage continues. For this reason, it was thought that we probably should start the prevention before the bleed occurs, and this were that, that there where the primary prophylaxis came to action. Now in the early 70s, an era which was labeled as the golden era for hemophilia, factors concentrate were introduced and they were used by the hemophilia patients. Small packages in powder form that can be mixed quickly, can be carried with the patient on travel, can be taken home and administered home. That was a great breakthrough for patients with hemophilia. The most important point of it is you could treat the injury, you could treat the bleed immediately after it happens. Now, these factors were effective. Unfortunately, they were not safe because by the 80s, the ravage of HIV and AIDS came into the scene, and people get disappointed, and providers became very pessimistic about the results of that era. Pharmaceutical companies start competing how to try to correct the problem, and there were the virus inactivation procedures introduced, many companies have used one, two or three procedures for the same product to prevent the virus transmission that has happened in the 70s. As a result, we have very safe products right now that is very easy to administer and it has been shown that there were no transmission by blood products since the 1990. Furthermore, the factor now is produced by recombinant genetic engineering, which does not include any human or animal proteins anymore. It has been third generation products that has been introduced recently. Now, our major success is really attributed to the prevention of bleed. And that is an important issue that we always have to talk about. It is prevention that prevent the joint to deteriorate. So it has to be done in the right time. Many centers now, they use the primary prevention or primary prophylaxis after the first bleed or when the child is under the age of two years. And the most important thing here is to really try to be compliant and try to be consistent, because most of the failures are the result of being non-compliant. Well, why these children are not compliant sometimes? We know that about only 50% of patients with hemophilia in the United States are with severe hemophilia, as a matter of fact, are on prophylaxis. And about 24% of all severe hemophilia, they don't bleed because they have a milder phenotype of the condition. So, if we can concentrate on those patients who are on prophy to try to emphasize how important the compliance is, we should go and look back why they are not compliant. One issue is the cost. The factors are still very expensive, and we have to try to overcome the the, the point of cost to be able to put everybody on that factor. Second is the safety. Many people are worried about safety. And now we have to emphasize that all factors are very safe, especially our third generation factors. Third thing is the frequency of infusion. Many children and even adults, they don't want to spend the time infusing themselves, mixing the factor, and do that so many times a week. For this reason, there are now a study which is phase two study going on, that is utilizing a recombinant factor that is pegulated with liposomes to make the factor half-life much longer. They are doing study, comparing, giving the recombinant factor, which is the regular factor, three times a week, compared to the pegulated factor, which is called BAY. 794980. It's probably produced by Bayer. That's what PAY came from. And this factor is given once a week only, and they're trying to compare. And I am sure this will work because we know that regulation of proteins have been successful in the past in chemotherapy and in hormones and other things. Now, looking at the lifespan of patients with hemophilia at the present time, it's exactly like normal individuals. These patients are looking to life in the same vigor that normal individuals are, and that's very assuring. It is very rare to find a damaged joint before the age of 15 years, unlike what we have experienced in the past. Now, looking forward, to see what are our challenges in the near future and how could we overcome them. We mentioned about the long-acting factor, which is a great uh, introduction if it works, which I think it will. The Venus access should be addressed because we still have no perfect Venus access. We know that peripheral administration of the factor is the most favorable thing to do, but it's not practical for babies, it's not practical for immune tolerance, and it's not practical for prophylaxis. Now, especially in Europe, several methods have been introduced. One of them is what we call AVF, or arteriovenous fistula. It's the same device that's used for patients on hemodialysis, and this has been proved to be effective, less complication, and well accepted by the child and the family. The infection, emerging infection, is also being addressed very vigorously. As we know, hepatitis C has been a problem in the past, and many times we know that when we check the donors, we check for antibodies for, fact, for hepatitis C, there is a window that you could have a negative test while the patient is still in the incubation period. Now, we have introduced the PCR, which is a DNA study showing that the virus is there even though the test is still negative. And that could give us more assurances that safe factors are being produced and most probably they will have no Uh, disease uh, transmission by any of the recombinant factor, even though, even also the uh, the plasma-derived factors. We continue to have a major problem with inhibitor development. Again, this is a major issue because the treatment of the child, the management of the inhibitor is very challenging, very costly, and many times it doesn't work very well. Now, recently there are a couple of studies that have been addressing the fact that do we need that much factor being infused every day with that high dose to tolerize a patient with inhibitor? It looks like we don't. The new study is giving the factor twice or three times a week with fraction of what we given in the past and the results are to be uh, checked